Hey, Fed Heads, welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Tonight we're going to be smoking the, uh, let's see if my fancy new lighting will get a, get a decent focus there. I had it before. Um, but anyway, we're uh, going to be smoking the Arturo Fuente, Don Carlos, Eye of the Shark. Kind of see that box press there. Um, so grab a cigar, grab a drink, and uh, get ready to hang out with us. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, my name's Trip. We're here with Sharing Our Pairings, uh, broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, live on Facebook, available on the old YouTubes, and, of course, on whatever your favorite podcast catcher is. Uh, here, here, once again, finally back uh, from the back depth from the dead. nowhere land <laughs> is uh, my, my faithful co-host, Dennis. Dennis, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Trippy? Man, it feels good to be back. I... Uh... I'm finally smoking cigars. I can smell things. I can taste things. I just I feel like I'm alive, which is awesome. And I'm I'm just pumped because we're smoking, you know, to come back to smoking cigars and smoke this cigar. I'm really excited. Yeah, we're smoking something a little special tonight. Um, if you if you missed the intro and you're just tuning in, we're smoking the Eye of the Shark from Arturo Fuente. Um, as I feel like probably everybody watching has to know, this was named the number one cigar of the year by Cigar Aficionado in 2017. Um, I think it's a pretty good cigar. I'm not sure if it was my favorite one of the year, but you know, taste is subjective. If you're if you've never heard of the cigar, first of all, uh, it's got a weird shape. If you're unfamiliar, it is a torpedo at the head, and it which is round, and then it kind of tapers into a square shape where it's box pressed for the rest of the cigar. Um, this comes from the Añejo Shark, which has always been kind of the most popular Vitola of that cigar this one is reportedly a little bit smaller the ring gauge doesn't feel much smaller i think what it is is the the regular shark has kind of a flare where it's like a uh, a pyramid where the foot is actually a little bigger than like the body up here um and this one is just kind of like flat sided as you can see um it's definitely a little bit shorter this is a five and five eighths or sorry five and three quarters by 52 instead of the five and five eighths by 54. Um, this is a variation of the Don Carlos blend, which is a Cameroon wrapper. Um, I don't think they give out much else. They This was done for the 30th anniversary. Um, the MSRP is around 1695, I think. And uh, if you can find them, that is. I mean, I've seen, yeah. I've, I've seen shops selling them. Like It happens every single year. We've talked about it before. Uh, every year, whatever is the number one, like doubles in price and you can't find it anywhere because it's backordered by everyone in the world. Um, and this is no exception, even though it's a, a pretty expensive cigar. I've seen them going for about 25 to $50 in some places. Um, and that's again, when you can find them. Uh, wow. Apparently the MSRP is 1125. Um, really? I've never seen them lower than 15 bucks. Um, if even man, New York, like yeah, probably New York. Maybe I've seen for like eighteen, nineteen, and that's that's being really nice about it. Probably much yeah. more than that. Um, it's kind of got that typical Don Carlos blend, but there's something else there that like I feel like it's sweeter than the regular Don Carlos. Is that just me? What do you think about the flavor, Dennis? It's sweet, but I'm getting this like funky floral note out of it too. I get a little bit of that. I know what you mean. And then there's like a dryness on the tongue that reminds me of walnuts that we were talking yes. about. Before. Yeah, absolutely. It's, there's definitely a noticeable difference in it. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of salt. I'm not sure if like, I guess you could say salted walnut, but I mean, 
I don't know if they're even the same flavor that go together. Hmm. Talking about nuts, I don't know. I think uh, walnuts for sure. Pecans, 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 however. Pecans. pecans you, you folks out there I... like to say it. Pecans. Some people like pecans. They're all about the same. Pecans. Yeah, but get a couple of some of that, that pecan note. Yeah, I definitely get a little bit of that. There's a little bit of, um, like, just a hint of citrus. I feel like I, lately, I go through these weird phases where my palate is way more attuned to citrus, mm. um, where for a while I'll barely taste it, and then suddenly everything I get varying amounts of citrus. Like, this one reminds me of, like, an orange, I guess. It's very subtle, though. Like, it's just the, um, it's just like the sourness of nothing else. Like, kind of like if you lick the outside of a sour candy. I don't know. Oh, you get just a little bit of that bite. Yep, I know exactly what you mean. Like a little bit of that twang to it. Twang, that's a good way to put it. Um, a weird a thing that's always weirded me out about this cigar, um, there have been several releases of it, and they've done some changes to the bands over time, and I feel like they never quite get it right. Like, I don't think it'll show up on camera. Um, it'll almost show up on camera. Where it sticks out? Yeah, like it's not flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the, the bands aren't quite shaped right. The original run, I, I ended up, uh, like, as soon as I heard about it, I just happened to see it in a shop and was like, oh, okay, I got to try that because people are saying it's amazing. Um, this was, like, in 2015, maybe 2016. Um, on the back of the band, rather than having this nice little, like, Arturo Fuente crest, or I guess it's a Carlos Fuente crest, um, rather than having that, it was kind of a regular Don Carlos band, and they put a piece of ribbon, like, up against the tobacco and then roll the band around and then put tape over so the oh, tape is okay. holding the ribbon there but the ribbon's really just there so the tape doesn't touch the wrapper because there was this big gap in the back uh between the like where the seam is um because i guess they didn't have enough big enough don carlos band um and then they went to a different version i don't remember what oh the weird thing about that one is that like the back was angled like that where they met um and then and now they've got this one which fits pretty well but it's it just feels like it's too high up um, yeah, it, a little bit. It's a straight band that's on a kind of rounded cigar. Like it yeah. reminds me of sometimes when you get like a uh, a double perfecto kind of shape, and then you have a big band on there, so it kind of sticks off of the flat part. It's really weird, but you know, um, it's a nice band. That being said, it's a, it's a pretty cool band, and, and Fuente in general has that classic look to it too, which is very nice. Yeah, it really does. They've they've got some classy looking bands. Um, but, I mean, a lot of people complain about their bands, you know. Um, the complaint that I have right now is just that the, over the last couple of years, I feel like they've made a lot of changes to the Don Carlos band. So I have a really hard t- hard time telling the yes. difference between some of the Don oh, Carlos. Oh, it kills me. It kills me. Um, you need, like, a Pokedex to figure out what all the Fuente cigars are. Like, come that's, on. That's the best way to put it that I've heard. <laughs> you need a Pokedex to figure out which, which version of which cigar you're smoking. Um, yeah. And, you know... As, as Fuente does, they've got all these little variants and stuff like that. But anyway, um, so they don't release. I was I did some research while we were talking. They do not release any of the details on the blend. Um, we could probably assume it's Cameroon. It tastes like Cameroon, um, and pretty much every Don Carlos ever has had Cameroon. So I think it's a Cameroon wrapper, um, but uh, they they won't confirm. And uh, made in Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic as well, yeah. So let's talk about our pairings a little bit. Um, so for my pairings, I, I got an interesting variety of, of whiskey, or of, of spirits, rather. So the first one that I've got is a little thing that also comes from the Dominican Republic. I just wanted to have something from Dominican. 
Um, and this was the only thing that I had from there. So this is Debonair's very special reserve, fine aged rum. Um, there's not a lot of information about it because it's, uh, it's not available in the U.S., so there's not a lot of marketing for it. Um, it is an eight-year age Solero rum. If you're not familiar with Solero, it means that they basically age it in barrels and then they take all of the spirits out of that barrel and put some of it into a new barrel. So what ends up happening is they're always adding spirits and taking spirits out, um, but there's never really a definitive age on what it is. So I think with Solera, eight is kind of an average of how old it is. I'm not I'm not 100% sure on how age statements on Solera work. Um, I'll have to do a little bit of research on that and talk about it next time I'm on the show. It It's a, um, I don't know what the word for it is, but it's like a, uh, it's not export strength. Um, I don't know what the opposite of export strength is, but it's only 38% ABV, which is a little bit low, but it's because in most tropical countries, uh, the spirits, particularly rum, are going to be somewhere between 34 and 38. Um, I think it's mostly because, one, uh, not to disparage anybody, but people in those countries can't necessarily handle their liquor as well. Um, that's <laughs> what I've the heard. Heat, right? I, I don't know about that, but I think it's really about the heat. Um, cause that way, like, you know, I think it might be partially for locals, but partially for, uh, like vacationers. Cause like when I'm on vacation, I'm drinking nine rum and Cokes on the beach side. Um, oh, yeah, I don't, don't want to be wasted <laughs> by the time it's time to go back to the hotel. I want to be able to sit there and, and sip on my coconut or whatever I've got. So I'm going to take a couple sips of this, see how it pairs up. What's your, what's your first pairing, Gus? I, um, decided to go with today with beer. I thought about doing some whiskeys, but maybe on the next show I'll, do, I'll focus on some scotch. But <clears throat> I have a beer that I've uh, discovered recently, but I think it's been out for a little bit. Uh, and my first sip of it kind of confirmed that. And it's actually from Bolero Snort, New Jersey. For those of you that don't know, this is in Richfield Park, New Jersey. Um, and they make a lot of cool stuff. And this is their Bully Juice, which is a fun <laughs> label. Got a little Beetlejuice I, action I've going on. I've never had one of their beers, but I love their labels. They're, I, I love all their labels. They're, they're really cool. Um, and this is a double IPA. I wanted to start strong, you know, coming back to it. So it's 8.1%, which is pretty, you know, average for a double IPA. The cool that, thing about I this, that's though. Kind of, that's kind of like, um, that's barely a double IPA in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's funny how the like, bar just keeps going higher and higher. I mean, that's. Like a double IPA for me is like eight and a half, maybe nine percent. Um, like I can go to any bar in town and get an IPA that's seven point eight percent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same for me. Um, same so eight point one is like just barely a double. Yeah, it's crazy. And at this rate, probably people are going to start sessioning barley wines pretty soon. Yeah, which is nuts. Uh, but this beer is kind of cool for a particular reason. They have some weird hops in there. Mosaic and Galaxy, everybody knows, everybody loves, but they have a hop called Denali, which is kind of a... Um, oh, yeah. You've heard of it? Oh, yeah. Okay, awesome. So for those of you that don't know what it is, it, it was an experimental hop before, and I, I think now it's more of a regular release. used to be called um, Hoppensteiner, and it's just really insanely tropical, like heavy pineapple, citrus pine, kind of this weird spice that you get from, from a, um, like a really oily hop. And I think some people actually even called it, they used to call it Nutzilla or Nuggetzilla. <laughs> oh, because it's like a nugget, but more intense? Yeah, it's it's basically a mix of like Nugget and um, maybe Eldorado or Warrior. 
but the hop itself is it's huge it's just this most ridiculous looking like juiced up looking hop it's awesome um and the, the the beer looks good too it looks good the only thing i would say after my first sip i've realized this um unfortunately it is not fresh ah that's always a bummer with ipas and there's a lot of beer that can get away with it definitely and especially with something that has this high uh, hop oil profile uh something like denali you need to drink it fresh and that's it it has to be within a week at least i mean in my opinion i think for a week um but it just it degrades so quickly and this one unfortunately i think it sat on the shelf for so long that it basically has turned into a malt bomb that's unfortunate but it's but some redeeming qualities but uh, as we've said before even if a beer is old and out of its prime complete like way out of its prime it can still be good it's just the same thing that they made yes yes so you know that's actually even more impressive if a brewery can release a beer that's still good you know a couple weeks couple months after the release especially something that's really resinous um i think that's that's uh, that's awesome in my book and so it's not bad by any means profile's a little bit different not what i expected uh, but I kind of like it. So I'm going to see how it goes. I'll let it kind of warm up a little bit and see how it tastes later on. Yeah, sometimes with malt bomb kind of stuff, uh, it's it it helps to be a little bit warmer. IPAs are generally better crisp, but, I mean, yeah. if it's super malty, it's generally better, a little bit warmer. So the debonair rum, I feel like this is, like, a perfect pairing. This thing goes so well with Cameroon. It's sweet and it's more oily than most rums. Like, you know that, like, oily scotch feeling oh, yeah. you get where it kind of yep. coats your tongue a little bit? Um, I get way more of that from this than I remember getting from any other rum. And uh, shout out to Evan, who's watching, for uh, suggesting this whole lighting trick thing. It's working out, as you can see. Um, but anyway, there's still, every time I've had this rum, there's a flavor that I cannot figure out. And I don't know what it is. Oh, it yeah. a little bit of, like... It. Uh, a sweet cedar or something like woody, but not in the not in the normal way that a rum would be woody. Like it's not woody like a like a old bourbon or an old scotch. It's a different kind of woodiness that I'm having a that I have a hard, like I try to figure it out every time and I can't do it. I've always felt that I've I've kind of leaned more toward like a um, a maple syrup, like an unrefined maple syrup. Yeah, that might be what it is. Um, it's it's really hard to place. I know exactly what you mean, and oh, I've that's... gone through pretty much the whole bottle trying to figure it out for science. Yeah, it's it's, it's maple. That's what it is. It's got a little bit of that maple maple kick to it. You're right. Um, I'm going to take a quick break here. We're going to thank our sponsor, the Cigar Federation Store. Uh, they just got a bunch of warped stuff in. They got a bunch of warped samplers and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with warped. I mean. If you, and also, if you haven't had Warped, what are you doing? Uh, I think they make some of the most Cuban-esque cigars, I guess is the word. Um, they kind of focus on the more medium-bodied, um, kind of more elegant smoking experience. So a lot of people who are into like um, Roma Craft, the La Folla Dominicanas, the super heavy, thick uh, tobaccos, um, aren't a huge fan of it. But if you like a really well-rounded cigar, Warped is where it's at. So Go, go check out the Cigar Federation store. And don't forget, if you join on CigarFederation.com, you can get a 10% off coupon that works on every single order you place, uh, except if you have another coupon, like if they're running a deal or something, um, because you can't stack coupons over there. Um, but click in the top right-hand corner on the store tab, and you'll have a, a link there once you've signed into CigarFederation.com. All right, how's that Bolero snout? Bolero snort. <laughs> 
I, I get their um, names mixed up because they go they go crazy with. Everybody has these wild names, you know. Uh, obviously, if you can't tell by now, they have a bull thing going on. That's their theme. Oh yeah. All their beers are bull related, right? Uh, you know what? I I've actually had this sitting out for the last maybe hour, and it's it's warmed up a lot. So when I poured it, when I first poured it, it was already starting to get to that point where it's kind of ready. Biggest thing is, yes, it's malty, but it's actually very sweet. Maybe almost too sweet, but it is going really well with the Cameroon now that I'm doing my usual and, and kind of sm- smoking really quick. Um, as the cigar's heating up, it's playing well with the sweetness of the beer. And what do you think of the cigar at this point? I'm trying to figure out the retrohale. There's like a there's a floral note on the retrohale, but there's something else I can't figure out. And there's a little bit of, I mean, we have to say for the spice heads out there, there's a little bit of spice in this. There's there not a lot. Yeah. It's not going to bowl you over. It's a, I think it's spicier than most of the Don Carlos stuff because um, I feel like a lot of the Cameroon, like pretty much all the Cameroon wrapped Fuentes that I know of are just not real heavy in the spice department. This uh, this kicks it up a little bit. Um, this is closer to an Opus X, but it's not as spicy as something like an Opus X. Oh, yeah, def- definitely not. But it's nice. It's, it's pronounced in a way that doesn't overpower anything else. Yeah. So it's accessible, which is really, really important. Yeah, it actually... So I was just talking about Warped and how they've got like that really elegant, very uh, intricate flavors and that's kind of how this is that's what this reminds me of it's it's really it's very middle of the road medium bodied but it's got flavors that really jump out and layers and layers of flavors like i just just while i was talking i got like a ton of peanut butter on the finish peanut butter like a ton of peanut butter like i still taste it like it tastes like i just had a spoonful of peanut butter gerard jelly says we need a canadian to taste this whiskey or this uh, this rum to tell us whether it's maple or not, because <laughs> Canadians got that on lock. Oh, absolutely! I think we uh, call the surgeon. Yeah, we exactly. An emergency. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see if we can bring him a nip in uh, in Vegas. Oh, for sure. Make sure he tries it. So I'm gonna move on to my second selection here. I'm really excited to talk about this one, um, and and very excited to taste it again because well, I'll talk about that in a second. So this is from Bull Run Distilling. It comes in this. It's in this cute little bottle that's way smaller than my head. Like here it is next to a regular bottle. It's tiny. This is a it's a half a bottle. They have these in full bottles, but I figured I would try the half bottle because they're you don't save any money by buying a full bottle. Two of these is the same price. So this is from Bull Run Distilling. They were founded in 2010 uh, by a guy named Lee Meadoff, uh, and he used to work for a distillery downtown Portland called House Spirits Distilling. Um, I think he helped start them in 2004, actually. I don't have it in my notes, but I believe he did. Um, but Or at least he worked there since 2004. Um, so th- this whiskey is their Oregon single malt whiskey, aged four years. And the interesting thing about it being a single malt is, unlike most single malts, they weren't going after a scotch profile. For this, they were inspired more by the fact that so much beer is made around here uh, using 100% malted barley that they wanted to uh, see how that kind of thing would work out with a, with a, a whiskey. Um, so they don't actually create the, um, the wash for this, which is like the, um, it's kind of like the wart with beer. You basically make this really sweet, they call it, they call it liquor, um, but it, it has no alcohol whatsoever. It's just really sweet water um, that's sweetened by all the barley. And then you ferment that to turn it into beer or you, ferment and then distill that to turn it into whiskey or not necessarily whiskey, but spirit. Um, they aren't actually making the watch for this. They're having it made for them at, 
Burnside Brewing in downtown Portland. Huh. So Burnside takes 100% uh, malted barley from the Klamath Basin, which is in southern Oregon, and it spills over a little bit into northern California. Um, they actually make the wash, then transport it to the distillery where they ferment it with ale yeast, 100% ale yeast. Then they distill it and barrel age it for four years in new American oak. One thing I wish that they had done that um, they don't specify, but I really doubt it, is age this in Oregon oak. I think that would be really cool. Maybe it's something they're working oh. on. Um, so I actually bought this at the farmer's market this weekend. So in Oregon, and there's a couple other states where they do this, where you can actually get a liquor license that allows you to sell direct to consumer at a farmer's market. Um, and they said that there's a variant of this that I didn't buy, but they, they age it in some kind of wine barrel. I don't remember. It was some, some wine style that I'd never heard of. Um, but they only that's like a farmer's market exclusive whiskey that you can buy, which is really cool. That sounds um, awesome. And I noticed while I was getting ready for the show, this is batch number two, bottle number 41. Um, so that's, that's like a low number, man. That's pretty special. That's awesome. That is very awesome. And I, I just kind of like their understated label. It's like not too, not too flashy. Um, it's very clean. This clocks in at 44.85% ABV, which is 89.7 proof. They got real specific with that. Um, I'm going to take a couple sips of this and see what I think. I'm looking forward to it. It looks wonderful, man. I mean, I've only had it out of a plastic shot glass at a farmer's market at 11 a.m., so I'm excited (laughs) to try it again. Dude, those are always the best. I have found from farmer's markets, I found like barrel-aged gins, Mm -hmm. very small production stuff. It's just killer. And the same kind of very small bottle, even like um, those mini, the the mini flasks, the glass, like the the bootleggers flask glasses. Those are really nice, too. And, and, um, it's just cool. You go to a farmer's market, you get some vegetables, you get some yeah. meat, you buy some whiskey. They had a couple interesting <laughs> things. They, there was also, I didn't buy them just because I'm not like, uh, I mean, anybody who watches the show probably knows, I drink a lot of beer and a lot of spirits, but I'm just not really into cocktails. Like, a cocktail for me is either in gin and tonic or Manhattan. That's that's about as crazy as I get with cocktails because everything is too sweet for me. Um, but they had one booth where they sell canned cocktails. So you can get like oh. uh, one of them with some blood orange and vodka, blood orange, vodka and lime or something like that. Um, and the other one was a Moscow mule, but it comes in a 12 ounce can. And you just buy a six pack of them. That's pretty cool. And actually, you could just drink cocktails right out of the can, which is, I mean, not my not my gig, but it's cool. It's, it's definitely very interesting. I've been on a kick for um, canned wine. See, I like I, I can get behind canned wine. I like can I like wine a lot. I just um. I don't like cocktails enough to buy a cocktail that I can transport yeah. somewhere. I'd rather just make it. Six-pack of Cosmos. And see, <laughs> Evan, Evan Kirshner says an old-fashioned with no sugar is amazing. They are. Yeah. Um, I don't Absolutely. like old-fashions because they're too sweet for me. Like, I, I, know, I know people who love them. I know Juan loves them. But Man, for me... Smoke in that. Yeah. A smoky old-fashioned is Actually, um, I mean, this is completely off-topic, but when I was in, the, uh, in Dallas... For the whiskey launch party for Ezra Zion for um, the whiskey that they're partners in, which is Odin and Eat. Uh, Odin, wait, Oak and uh, Eat. I was Oak like, Eden, Odin yeah. and something? What? <laughs> Odin. That doesn't sound right. Eke, Oak and Eden. I almost said Eek and Odin <laughs> again. Uh, uh, they had a, a bar that we went to afterwards where like the after party was, and they had uh, a smoked Manhattan, I think it was, which was really good. Like, that was my jam. But anyway, I'm going to take a couple sips of this while you talk about your next pairing. 
I just took a sip of my next pairing, and I'm like, man, this tastes really different than what I've had. I've had a couple over the last few days. Um, man, it tastes so different. It's crazy. So my next pairing comes from New Jersey, of course, another Jersey beer, and I think it's really important to highlight this because these guys make insane stuff. They, they just, they're wild. Everything they make is pretty wild. I know exactly where um, it's coming from already. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is the latest release from Cardin, released this past Saturday, called Delight, which is a Lacked collaboration oat. project. It's Lacked Oat, yeah. And it's a collaboration project with another New Jersey brewery called Magnify. Um, and Magnify is kind of known for making these really cool, uh, basically like breakfasty inspired double IPAs. They have one they recently released, which was a, a strawberry shortcake or strawberry short stack. Sorry. So like strawberry pancakes. Oh, kind of. yeah. Um, they have got the game down when it comes to marshmallow based anything. So like those kind of lactose IPAs, they do phenomenal stuff and they're pretty small too. And so they paired up with, with Cardin. And they released this beer, um, and it's kind of it's a really weird beer. It's a double IPA, eight percent. But the way that they made it was kind of funky. They essentially took uh, the hops they use were pretty standard. They use Citra, Eldorado, Mosaic hops, all the good stuff. But then they made this like homemade sour cherry fluff with pistachio oh, man. and rose water. That sounds great. So like rose water, I don't know if it comes out in that, but but just the concept of of making this giant mushy sour cherry thing and throwing it into a beer to see what happens. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, um, I, I like that. And, you know, it's, it's pretty hazy, pretty pretty nice and, and uh, cloudy in there. And, dude, it's insane because I've had this very cold over the last couple of days. I've had a few. And it was a totally different profile than now. Now it's like pineapple upside down cake. It's insane. That Unfortunately, there there's no sour really cherry. Pistachio is kind of hard to get. Rosewater, I'm not even sure if you could ever probably get that flavor out, but it's cool that they did it. I mean, rosewater is hard to taste in literally anything. I mean, even drinking it in the glass, if you really wanted to, to sip on it, like, it's yeah, a very rose, subtle flavor. It, it's more about the nose than anything, and it, yes. it, it gets covered up so easily. Um, but it it's it's a lot like floral notes in cigars. Like, a lot of times, floral notes can get blown away by just about anything, Um so it's kind of rare, even if there are floral notes in a cigar, it's kind of rare that you actually taste or, or experience them. Oh, absolutely. For this, though, I have to say, honestly, it's, um, it's a really well-balanced IPA. Probably my favorite beer from them and likely the best IPA they've ever released. Wow. Which I, I'm sure some people will disagree, but uh, the lactose is really well-balanced. It's not overpowering. It's not, it, it doesn't feel like a beer that would be part of this recent hazy revolution that we've had where everyone's just throwing lactose into IPAs, making super hazy yeah. stuff, and just calling it a day. Um, this really stands out on its own. I think it's pretty cool. Awesome. I, I want to try that now. That sounds good. Well, I bought a so, case, so you can have some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this cigar is getting it's getting more intense as it goes along, which is it's interesting because that used to be the case with pretty much all cigars. Um, and then as Nicaraguan cigars became more popular, it's now way more common to get like to start with like a blast of pepper and then slowly fade from there. Um, but this cigar, like the spice and the sweetness and that like sour orange that I was getting before are really ramping up. Like the, the sweetness is like almost candy, like hard candy sweet. I'm trying you to pick up. Is your experience different? 
I'm trying to pick out the flavors. The sweetness definitely comes out, but I also think the beer has an effect on that too. So I don't want to call it out too much. Um, but the citrus that you mentioned before, that subtle citrus for me is really coming out. The only other thing I would say, um, unrelated to the cigar necessarily itself, but going back to the band, I'm holding this, right? And it's it's that weird gap is just like crinkling under my fingers and it feels funky. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I I want to take it off. I'm so confused by it. Yeah, it's confusing. You're right. Um, but anyway, the, man, this Oregon single malt is good and different. Like it, it does remind like it is a little bit reminiscent of like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of some scotch to compare it to that I can think of off the top of my head. Like the um, the core of Highland Park without the peatiness. Oh yeah, reminds me a little bit of this, uh, where it's kind of like sweet and almost meaty, um, and kind of. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the words to describe it. It's interesting because it doesn't smell like most single malt scotches. But then on the palate, it starts off a little sweeter than most scotches um, and a little more, I guess, robust. It's just got a more robust flavor than a scotch that would usually have an equivalent level of sweetness. Um, Scotch tends to be usually, not always, 100% not always, scotch is usually a little bit lighter than this. Um, there are a lot of like heavier scotches out there, um, which would compare better to this. I just can't think of any off the top of my head other than Highland Park, and that's just because I had it the other day. Um, but that's that's peated, and this doesn't have any of the peat, but it's got a little bit of that like sweet, almost meaty substance to it. And yeah, I think it I pairs think with the cigar really well. I think it's bringing out some spice. I think that's what's bringing out some of the sweetness that I'm getting. That spice is really incredible because it's, Although it's really subtle, it's very obviously there, mm-hmm. and it really does cut into the sweetness in a really nice way. And I was just going to say, for me, I, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit and say um, the first thing that I think of right now is basically a piece of toast, like burnt toast with uh, marmalade or marmalady. Okay, that that checks out for me. Um, the burnt toast was one of the flavors that I was trying to, trying to figure out, um, and it's 100% there, like... Um, I'm trying to think of a more specific note. Like it reminds me of a, like a, a Southern style biscuit that was overcooked. It's got oh, like yeah. a little yeah. bit of that burnt toast or like you're, you know, you made biscuits and the next day you put one in the toaster. Um, cause it's definitely got like that caramelized bread kind of quality to it. Sweetness to it. Yeah. too. But then up. it's got more of that like dense breadiness than a regular piece of toast would have. And this is a really funny thing. A lot of times we talk about cigars, we talk about flavors, and it's so subjective. We always compare it to things that we know, and that's fine. That's always great, and everyone does that. And I would love to to talk to somebody that is from another country that smokes this cigar and describe tries to describe what they kind of taste. I had never thought about that before, but yes. Um, I would love to hear – I mean, the problem is there aren't a lot of, like, cigar aficionados in, I don't know, there, there aren't a lot of people in India who eat curry all the time who are reviewing cigars and, and giving yeah. tasting notes. Um, but, but you're right. Like, it, it's, it, it all comes from your experience. Um, and somebody who most of their experiences are vastly different than ours um, would come up with completely different tasting notes. And I, I would be very interested to, I love to, to hear that. that. Yeah. That's, that's just a, a very interesting thought to me. And I'm trying to keep up with your comments, guys. Every time somebody comments... Facebook is notifying me, but it is not showing me. So Chico Ray says, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for watching, Chico. Up, Chico? We appreciate you. 
And uh, Jeremy Miller says, welcome back, Dennis. Nice. Thanks, man. It's good to be back. Good to have you back, man. I missed, I mi- I missed being on the internet with you. I, you know, and we talk about this a lot. You know, whatever else is going on at like our jobs, at home, kids, families, all that stuff. It's nice to be able to sit down in the middle of the week, drink a little bit, talk about it, smoke something. It forces you to just relax. And I think yeah, that's I, what it's I, all about. I, I agree. It's very therapeutic. Having like a, a commitment to, to drink and smoke a cigar is nice. <laughs> um, if, if you can do that, if you can like carve out time. like So actually, when I used to watch the show, my deal was like, all right, at five o'clock, I get off work. And I go straight to watching Sharing Our Pairings, and I smoke a cigar, and I have a drink. And that was it with my wife. We had a deal that every week, as soon as I finished work, I would go relax, smoke a cigar. I highly recommend that, even if you're not watching us, even if it's on, like, I don't know, a different day. Um, I highly recommend just setting a time where it's like, at this time, you have to fit a cigar in. So no matter what's going on, you have to fit it in. Take some time for yourself. Do, like, a a selfie date. (laughs) Why not? I'm not even going to comment on that. <laughs> Dude, this, so I just pulled off this band, and it's, it's really nice. I mean, it, it, um, it feels great, the, which sounds weird to say, right, about a piece of paper. But I, I think Absolutely. they really they did a really nice job producing the band. The colors are really nice. Um, the, the, the embossing, I guess it's embossing in English, right? Yep, yep. Okay. I'm bad with these English words. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really nice. It's very pretty. I don't know if you'll you'll be able to see it. Probably not. Uh, Almost there. There we go. Now it focused. It's really nice. Yeah, it's thick and heavy. That that's a really interesting thing about Fuente is like every couple years they kind of start updating their bands, and every time they get more intricate and nicer looking. Yes, and more complicated to follow. Yeah, and more complicated. <laughs> um, but actually, I mean, there there are some of them that are getting easier to follow, like the. Uh, um, we haven't smoked it yet. I think we've still got it. So uh, for, just for a little, a little background, we got these from Pro Cigar 2017, 2018. Um, it was in one of the kits. So one of the things they had in those kits, which I had never seen before, um, and I don't think we smoked it yet, did we? There was a – no, maybe we did smoke it. I don't remember. There was a uh, – I'm trying to remember what the Vitola was. I think it was an 898 or something like that, but it was the Rosado version. Do you remember if we already did a show on that? I don't remember. I don't think we did. Um, but, I don't think so. But there was a risotto version. And so, as everybody probably knows, the three core lines of like the Chateau, it was one of the Chateaus. I think it was a double Chateau. Um, but it might have been an 898. So the three core lines of the of the Chateau and 898 series are the Natural, Maduro, and Sun Grown. The Sun Grown has a black line along the bottom of the band. The natural and the Maduro both have a green line along the bottom of the band. Um, and of course, you can very obviously tell those apart just by the color of the wrapper. The, I mean, so again, we have no information on this, so we don't know if this is like a new release that's coming or if it's like a, a thing they randomly did. But the one that we had had a white line to indicate that it's Rosado because in the Magnum series, they all had a white line for Rosado. Um, but I think that's a good indicator. Otherwise, their bands are almost impossible to decipher. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that one specific instance. Uh, and Gerard Shelley says the reason he got into cigars was to force him to just stop and enjoy as therapy. Okay. And I, I completely agree with that. Like, um, I don't think I've ever said it on the show, but for me, uh, a cigar makes a bad day better, or a bad day good and a great day better. 
Like you can use it to celebrate something or you can use it to make your day a little better. And either way it works. Um, Chico Ray wants to know our thoughts on Diplomatico rum. Have you ever had Diplomatico rum? I have, but it's, I think it's been so long that I don't remember. Um, so there was, there was a party at IPCPR last year, actually, where they had a couple of Diplomatico rum, uh, representatives there and they had like three or four different versions of it. Um, I was very impressed with it. I haven't bought any yet, but I was really impressed with that rum. I really liked it. Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head which one was my favorite because um, that was, you know, that was a long night at IPCPR. <laughs> I think IPCPR is one long night, isn't it? It, it really is. <laughs> you haven't even been yet, man. It's. I've heard so it, many stories. It is one long night. Um, so I'm going to pull out my last pairing here which is an old friend of the show that's kind of running a little low. i got to pick up another bottle, but somebody may have talked me into getting the upgrade. Um, oh, yes. This is Lafroy 10. So people have been telling me to get the Lafroy Lore, which is about double the price of this, almost triple the price of this. Um, and I've heard very good – I've heard nothing but good things about the Lore. Uh, it's like a no-age statement version that's supposed to be more intense version of Lafroy. Um, so since I've – I've featured Lefroy a couple times. I decided to dig a little deeper into their history so that I could I could talk about some uh, some fun facts and some just interesting things about them. So they were founded in 1815 by Donald and Alexander Johnston, uh, who were brothers, uh, and they stayed in the family until 1954. So during the closure, well, so see, this is a weird thing about my facts is they're kind of there was a weird order to them. So they opened the distillery in 1815. Um, they mostly sold their whiskey for blends. Back then, blends was the thing. Like, um, I mean, you you would go to the distillery. If you were local, you would just drink their stuff. If you weren't, you would go to the grocery store and they would blend you a whiskey, which, as we've talked about before, that's how Johnny Walker got into business. Um, they basically started that. Um, so during World War II, the Laphroaig Distillery, like, like most distilleries, I don't know if there's any distilleries that were open during World War II, like throughout. Um, but during World War II, the Lafroig distillery was actually used to store ammunition. During the war, they stored over 400 tons of ammunition. That's a lot. That's, that's a that's lot of bullets. Guys. Significant. Yep. Um, and it was it was kept in the family. They passed it down from family member to family member until 1954, when Sandy Johnston died. He had no children, and he actually. I mean, I I feel like this had to have been kind of a surprise. He left the majority ownership of the distillery to the general manager, um, Bessie Williamson. So she was suddenly the owner of Lafroy after having been the manager of the distillery for a few years. Um, and a really interesting thing about her, she is the first woman in Scotland to run a distillery, to be, to man, to be the manager. Um, and after Sandy's death, death, when he passed it on to her, she started focusing on single malts. Until then, they were mostly selling to blends uh, or blenders. And then some of what they did was a little bit of single malt. She was like one of the first people in the scotch industry to start pushing single malts. And she's kind of credited with being one of the pioneers of single malts and popularizing single malts on like a global scale, which is really cool. Um, but you know, Lafroig is, it's my favorite distillery personally. Um, they, it just hits my palate just right. They make 2.6 million liters per year, which is just under 700,000 freedom gallons. Um, so they're big, but not enormous like some of the others. That's still a lot of freedom. Yeah. 
Um, oh, oh, and I, I do want to mention, check out, check out what I got. What is that? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a watch glass. So that, it, it's interesting. So I ordered another set of Glencairns because they were on sale on Amazon. Um, and I thought I've always wanted a set of watch glasses to go with them. So I just found like some uh, scientific, like they're used as like Petri dish kind of things. Like, phenomenal. Something on it. Um, but they're used to kind of hold the scent in. So you can kind of uh, let your let your whiskey sit there for a while, um, but you're not letting all those delicious smells out. That's so pretty classy. I like that. Take a sip when you're ready. Uh, they're a little big for the Glencairns, but uh, they work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple sips of my Laphroaig while I refresh Facebook uh, and see if I can tell who's who's been commenting since Facebook won't tell me. What's your next pairing, Dennis? So actually. Uh, I was going to let you get into it, but then I looked at the clock. So we have to thank our <laughs> oh, final yeah. sponsor of the evening, right. Drew Estate. Um, I picked up a pack of uh, the regular, the um, what do they call them, the, the Underground Maduro tins this mm. week. Man, like I'm, I'm just on fire with those tins. Um, I'm probably going to buy some more tomorrow. Uh, we're not actually having a show, but Jason and I are going to go to an event where Fabian's going to be. So we're going to be uh, going to be hanging out with Fabian a little bit. I'm hoping we can... We can score a quick interview, so we've at least got something to post on the Facebooks. Um, we, I mean, I've been thinking about it. We might do a Facebook Live thing from there, depending on what's going on. We'll see. Um, but I'm going to take all the sips now while you talk about your final pairing. My last pairing is a little bit of a special, unexpected gift that I got. So um, many, many, many moons ago, back in 2007, I went to school for a semester in Prague, and uh, made some friends, met some people, had a good time. And my buddy out there, we stayed in touch with uh, with each other for, over the years. And um, he actually just came to, to New York to visit. And he brought me, he used to send me by mail some of this stuff that was homemade. But now he, <laughs> he came by and he brought it for me. And it's really special for me. Um, and I think probably for a lot of people in Europe, uh, I'm sure you guys will recognize this, but... It's something called Slivovice. I, I do not recognize that at all. No. <laughs> um, and it's actually, these days, it's pretty easy to find. I guess this, this particular bottle you can find in most big cities in the U.S. Um, but it, effectively, it's a three-year aged, or this one is at least, it's a three-year aged uh, plum brandy. Brandy very loosely hmm. because it's like 45% alcohol, but um, it's the staple, man. It is the thing. If you are there, if you're in... Uh, Czech Republic, Bratislava, Poland, Hungary, uh, Bulgaria, Slovenia, all these countries have a variation of this, which is essentially, you know, all of them do fruit brandies, but this one in particular is a distilled plum brandy. Um, and, you know, when I was in Prague, I, I drank a ton of it. A as lot you of, do. As you do, of course, a lot of homemade stuff. Um, for those of you that know a little bit of your geography, uh, this is made out in Vizovice, which is in um, Eastern Czech Republic. So pretty far out there, uh, very far from Prague, probably the, one of the furthest points away from Prague that you can get just for reference. Um, and they've been around for a while, a really, really long time. Like something like this was made back in the 15th century. They haven't confirmed, but they say 15th, 16th centuries when plums started to be distilled into, uh, oh. into, into liquor. So this has been a staple for, for a lot of people, the, culturally speaking. It's been around for a long time. Uh, and these guys, this particular brand uh, has been around for a long time as well, 1894, and they've been making tons of this stuff. Um, but they do it very differently than most people. And this is kind of a cool thing. 
there's an entire culture based around Slivovitsa in each of these countries. So Hungary has their own thing, Czech Republic has their own thing. But even when you go into the Czech Republic, it's such a big deal there that they have festivals and small towns will have a festival and every family that distills their own will bring their own bottle. They actually bring about <laughs> three bottles, three bottles each. Um, and it's open for tasting for the whole, for the whole town. Uh, and my buddy's town, he said they get something like um, uh, just over a hundred different variations of this homemade stuff. A hundred families contribute, bring, bring around tons of this stuff. And um, they just taste it. They, they sit around, they sip it and they drink it and enjoy. Uh, but that sounds this, like my kind of party. It's it, right. It's crazy. He told me they actually start at uh, 11 in the morning and they go until the next day, like evening. <laughs> and the only thing they do is they take short breaks, like two hour breaks to go home and eat some food uh, and then come back. They don't, and just, they don't even eat at this party. There's no food. It's just liquor that's being served. It's just, <laughs> it's just, just liquor, which is awesome. Um, and everybody has their subtle variations. And um, these guys, for example, they actually take the pits and they keep them in the mash the entire time, hmm. which is kind of a weird thing. But they do that to get all the tannins out of the pits. And when they age it for three years or, or five years, some, some like to do more than five. Generally, three and five are kind of the most common. Uh, when you age it, you end up getting this really awesome, uh, very plum forward smell and flavor. And it obviously aging it will make it a little more mellow. Uh, so, so that is aged? It doesn't look like much. So this is aged, yeah. Do you know what they aged it? They uh, nothing fancy, unfortunately. <laughs> like 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 steel or plastic steel. or just whatever they have. Yeah, they're doing steel. Um, most people at home will do plastic, uh, but generally they'll do like food grade buckets. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the particular town where where my friend is from is in Moravia or Moravia, and it's a big wine town, so everybody makes wine as well. Um, and you know, it's for what it is. A lot of people. It's it's this basically this is like the tequila of Europe in my opinion. People are very <laughs> divided. Some people really love it, and some people just totally hate it. You know, really. And I've had some homemade stuff that was you know maybe sixty five seventy percent alcohol, and it smelled like paint thinner, and it tasted like paint thinner. It would taste <laughs> probably like, I've never tasted it, but just just wicked wicked stuff, man. But uh, these guys they make a really well rounded uh, product and. I was really pleasantly surprised when he brought it for me. That's that's very interesting to me. Distilled uh, plums. It's, it's such a weird thing, too, when you think about it. Plum brandies are very common. I mean, um, fruit brandies are really common in a lot of different countries. But particularly plums is not as common. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard of a plum brandy before. So Bob Langmaid says, speaking of brandy, he scored a small sample of 75-year-old cognac on Instagram. Um, if you don't know Bob, he's an awesome guy, but he wins everything. Um, he enters a lot of contests. That's what he's known for around here. Um, and he even wins a lot around here. He's afraid to drink it because it's only one sample and he's <laughs> never had 75-year-old cognac. I don't even like cognac that much, but I would I would try that. Um, I'm, oh, you got to open it. Please let us know what you think because yeah. that's very relevant to my interests. I um, like uh, – I mean, I guess anybody who's watching this show is kind of the same. I like living vicariously through others when it comes to stuff like that. Um, when it's something that I know I'll never be able to taste, but I can at least hear from somebody what it tastes like. Um, it makes a big difference for me. So the Lafroig for me, I had a feeling Lafroig is kind of uh, one of the 
one of the more moderately peated whiskeys from Isla. But in this case, I think it's too strong for the cigar. I tried to go middle of the road for most of this stuff, but I wanted to kind of just kind of see how Pete worked with it. And I don't think Pete works very well. Um, I feel like Pete covers up a lot of the more nuanced flavors of the cigar, which is is kind of in most cases that's the story with Pete. Um, there there are cigars that that can hold up to it pretty well, but this is in my opinion not one of them. I think this is, this goes better with like a, if I had something like a Speyside Scotch or a Highland Scotch, I think this would work better. Interesting. It's uh, I actually have a kind of similar feeling about my last pairing as well. I like it uh, on its own. I think it's great with the cigar. Unfortunately, it overpowers it. Yeah. What is the what's the ABV on that stuff? Forty five. Okay. Uh, I I figured it. Um, I've had some Eastern Block liquor before. <laughs> well, his mom's uh, homemade stuff is about sixty five. So I I used to drink. So when I was uh when I was younger, I think I was around twenty two or twenty three or so. Um. I don't even know how I found it. I think I was just curious and I started like Googling. Um, but I started, I found this guy in Germany who sells absinthe from all over the world. And this was like, now you can just buy absinthe at a liquor store, but back then you couldn't. And I was just really curious about it. I ended up getting some Czech absinthe. Oh God. That was gasoline. Uh, I'm trying to remember the number. I believe it was 89.5%. Yeah. I've had a couple, a couple of those in, in Prague. So, So it was like, uh, what is that? It was like 179 proof, which is insane. Um, it's wild. It, it was like impossible to drink. And it was like, like that was to me, it was like the reason absinthe was illegal for a long time is not because it made you hallucinate. It's because you had one glass and you were wasted. Uh, yeah. Man, it was, oh, it was just some intense stuff. Um, but th- that's what I think of every time I think of like any like Eastern Bloc <laughs> kind of. kind of. Oh, it's all, it's all like, super high proof. Exactly. Um, I need to go back through my pairings, but I'm trying not to. I talked too much, and my cigar almost went out. So now I'm like trying to nurse it back to health. So I think I got to give it a quick relight here. I'm trying to figure out what the flavors in the last third are because they have. I mean, obviously the they're still there, but they're they've changed very noticeably. To me, there's a little bit of leather and a little bit of like oak, but not not toasted oak like you would normally think. Mm. Um, Like if you if you if you chewed on a piece of oak like that kind of woodiness okay. and Ev- Evan Kirshner wants to know if we get the reference kiss the green fairy I know I know that's what people call it when you when you do absinthe but it wasn't a movie was it uh, uh I can't I can't oh remember. there there was some movie uh, was it green Euro fairy. Trip Euro uh, they were yeah, in a bar maybe, and there was like an yeah yeah, yeah. there was a green fairy yes I think that's what it was <laughs> yeah the trying to think of how to describe it so. Flavors for me. So a lot of flavors can be compared to sound for me, like high pitches and low pitches. High pitches are like spice, sweetness, and uh, citrus, or at least most kinds of sweetness. So this just got a lot more uh, low pitch, like those more subtle flavors that kind of hit you on the center of the tongue rather than on the tip of the sides. Yeah. Um, and yeah, all, all that I can think of is wood and leather. I definitely get the leather. I think for me, uh, I'm getting more of a nutmeg type flavor out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like uh, nutmeg on the sides of the tongue. And I'm also drinking this the the, the first pairing I had the, the really malty one. Um, so I think that may also be playing into some of the flavors from the cigar. Yeah, I'm going back through my pairings. I'm getting ready to taste the uh, the debonair rum here. I like the taper. I'm gonna say I really really like the taper, especially for me. A lot of times I'll smoke the cigar 
if I really like it, I'll smoke it all the way down as much as I can. Um, I think that's a really cool thing about a, a cigar that's got this much taper. I mean, I'm like entering the first third or the final third, basically, and it's all taper from here on out. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really cool thing about this size is it mixes. It's it's like a box press pyramid. Did you ever have I don't I haven't seen them in years. I don't know if they're still around. Did you ever have the old uh, U.S. market Monte Cristo number twos? They weren't like a regular torpedo. It was like mm, um, I think I have actually, yeah. Maybe, maybe a five and three quarter inch, six inch cigar. Was, they were a little funky. And the first two inches were like a straight parejo, straight sides, and then it had like this really long. Yep. Uh, like I'm trying to. I just lost the word taper right before it like actually goes into a bellicoso kind of tip. Um, but it, it had like in cigar terms, you would call it the shoulder. So like the shoulder was like three quarters of the cigar almost. Um. And this kind of has that, where almost half the cigar is like shoulder, and then it finally turns into like an actual regular torpedo up there. But I mean, like you can see, it's like you would think this was a trumpet cigar if you just yeah. saw this part. Oh, definitely, mine is is getting there for sure. But yeah, I, th- I think the shark is a really cool size because of that. Um, I don't think anybody else has really even tried to make like a. Well, I guess, I guess Quesada did a couple weird things, but. Most companies have don't have something that's got this kind of longevity in the market. Yeah, it goes from box press to round, um, and it's it's just cool that like you can see and feel where the where the transition happened, and it's a really slow transition. I think it's a it's just a cool size. And I think the blend, honestly, the blend really fits the size very well. Uh, I suspect probably if the blend was in a different size or a single type of size, uh, it may not be the same. I mean, it definitely wouldn't be the same, but it may not be as good. And I think yeah. the size allows for a lot of those flavors to develop and, and sustain throughout the cigar. Well, and I'm I'm interested to see what happens as we get, like, really into the taper. Because I'm kind of, like I said, I was, I'm just hitting the taper now. Um, I'm interested to see if the cigar ramps up or ramps down at that point, depending on how the how the fillers happen. Because, um, obviously, they, they have to... Uh, the the leaf placement in the, in this, per, in this, uh, size in this Vitola is very important because of the shape that it ends yeah. up being oh, after the box press. And it's interesting that the debonair rum doesn't taste as sweet as it did before. I think that's probably the cigar sweetness ramping up and then it's kind of covering up some of the sweetness from the rum. Let me see if, uh, I'm curious if I'll get more of that flavor that I can't identify, um, and maybe I'll be able to identify some of it. I think I'm pretty set on on my uh, my my pairing of the night. It, it reminds me of buttered popcorn. Buttered it makes popcorn. me think of buttered popcorn. Like it's very huh. subtle and it's very sweet for what it is. But it, it it that funk that I can't put my finger on reminds me a little bit of buttered popcorn. In beer terms, I guess would that be? Uh, I think that's a, is that diacetyl? I have no idea. Right, I think that's what it is. That 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 uh, like. Uh, fake butter flavor that they add to uh, to some of the popcorns. I think that's what it is. Could be. Man, this Silvivita, it, it smells it smells like melons and uh, lychee. It smells great. Sounds very Japanese. Um, but <laughs> My pairing of the night is, is going to have to be the debonair rum. I mean, the sweetness gets, gets covered up a little bit in this last third that we're hitting, um, but I think that it in at least the first two thirds, it does a really good job of complementing the cigar. Um, and you still get a lot of flavor from the rum and a lot of flavor from the cigar in the final third. Um, I'm not sure what would pair best with it yet. 
I'm I'm still figuring out this last third, man. It's there's like a uh, there's a big transition in the last. There's third. a lot, absolutely. There's a lot going on, and of course, a lot of that flavor is also concentrating into the taper as the the tobacco is heating up. Yeah, of course. Uh, what what would you call the body of this cigar? How would you how would you classify it? I'm just curious. We don't normally talk about the the yeah. strength levels or bodies, but I would give it a reasonable medium. I think it started off I think it starts off like as a solid middle of the road medium and then ramps its way up to full. Hmm. I could definitely see it getting more full. For me, I'm getting a lot of the leather and now chocolate is coming out. I don't know if you're getting that as well. I could see that. I don't I don't really get chocolate, but I could see how you, how it could be interpreted as chocolate. Hmm. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting cigar. Like it, yeah. I'm noticing it's a lot more savory now. There's a lot less sweetness to it than I was getting before. Um, it had a pretty pronounced sweetness, and now it's very savory and woody. Oh yeah, the wood is definitely coming out of this. Um, but I love that it's really changed so much from the beginning. Not expected at all. And I think obviously the size has something to do with it, the the blend. Uh, but the size is really good to this blend. Yeah, um, I'm starting to see how this could be a number one. It's it's not the cigar that I would that I've enjoyed the most, but it's one of the more interesting cigars that I've had. It's got a lot of really distinct transitions and a lot of complexity that's really hard to pick apart. And it I smells like great I, too. I feel like I could smoke through a box of these and still not quite figure out all the flavor notes. Yeah, yeah, I would say the same. I really love the room note on it. It it just smells great. Does it? Like as, as I've said before, I can't smell room notes like. If I, uh, I'm in my garage, if I leave the garage and come back, I can oh, smell you can the smell, room yeah. note. Um, when I'm inside of the room note, I, I have no, no gauge for it whatsoever. I don't know why. It's very, for me, it's, uh, I mean, this would be a killer winter cigar for me. Just really? because of the room note. Wow. Oh, cause you could smoke it inside. Yeah, yeah. I'll smoke it inside. And the lady wouldn't, wouldn't get too mad and you wouldn't feel... You wouldn't feel gross when you come in the yeah. room the next day. Yeah, not too mad, but definitely, that, and that's a really good point. Some cigars are phenomenal, but after you smoke them, you come back into the room, and it's it's a little bit intense. And other cigars are yep. very subtle, and they leave this killer room note where it just smells nice, kind of nutty, kind of bready. I could see that. I could see that. All right, any other closing notes before we uh, we true it up here? Yeah, I think my, for me, tonight, best pairing of the night was this Cardin Delight Um just awesome. I think just really well balanced and doesn't take away from the cigar at all. I got to try that one. Oh, you will. Oh, you, you will try a all lot right. of it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you to all of our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners. Uh, we, appreciate, we appreciate you guys out there doing things we are not built to do uh, and protecting our freedoms. And we can't thank you enough for that. We, we appreciate We hope you get some rack time. We hope this, uh, this was a little escape for you to... Uh, you know, to think about what's going on back home and think about the people who are thinking of you. Uh, everybody, everybody else, thank you again for watching or listening. Uh, we won't have, we'll only have one episode this week. Uh, we're going to be, well, we might have kind of a mini episode tomorrow that's like five, ten minutes, uh, depending on, on what we do, but we'll see about that. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, have a great night.